Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are here for yet another episode, and I'm actually joined by a new friend of mine today, Janine Gray. Janine, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, and we managed to make it through a little bit of technical difficulty initially. Hopefully, uh, we're good to go for now. And um, you know, I have to comment on this. We were actually chatting about this before we started recording, but I have your website pulled up, and I'll go ahead and mention it for everybody listening in. It's Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N, grayphotography.com. And of course, we'll link to this uh, in the show notes. But on your About Me section of the site, there's just this beautiful, beautiful picture of your family. You have five kids. Shed a little bit of light on that picture in your family, if you don't mind. Oh, well, I actually, that was a pretty impossible picture to take, but my really good friend, uh, Alyssa Chipman from Allie Marie Photography actually took that for us. So I have been a newborn photographer now, which I, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, but for about nine years. And so my oldest is 12. So I didn't have newborn photos for, with her. And then yeah. my even with my second, I didn't start photography until after she was born. And so with the next two, I actually tried to do them myself and it didn't end up going the way that I wanted it to go at all. And so I had, I had my friend help me with this session and she did such a wonderful job and I was so excited to be able to get a shot of all of us together. And I think she just did an amazing, amazing job. I actually edited it, you know, edited it for her, but yeah. like, I, I think I only did, had to do one head swap. <laughs> that nice. was really good with all of those people so that is impressive because i i mean i'm looking at this and i wouldn't have known that you had done a head so up so yeah okay. i mean it just turned out beautifully but the the connection innate to the way that that image was captured is just it's absolutely beautiful but you know on that on that note i'd love to jump into our first question it's very related you have this large family and yes. i know that connection with them is really important to you is there something that you do in your day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week workflow that enables you to still have space for that time, for that connection time, despite the fact that you're a business owner? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, putting you know processes in place in my business has been huge for you know helping me with time. So utilizing services like Photographer's Edit or you know HoneyBook and all of the things that are available to us you know, in this digital age has made it to where I can, my business can pretty much run itself and I don't have to be there for every second of the day and I can automate things and processes. That has saved me so much time. I also actually ended up moving my office to my studio. And so I am, I can set business hours and actually stick to those business hours nice. so that when I'm at home with my children, I can be very present and with them and not worry about answering email or whatever that I need to do that can wait until tomorrow until I get into the office. So that has probably been the number one thing that has helped me the most. I also have been running and I hate running so much. I hate it <laughs> so much, or I used to actually, but I love it now. I've embraced it and it has helped me, you know, just have a clearer mind yeah. and have a little bit of me time because I think sometimes, especially with such a large family, you know, everyone always needs something from me. And even in my business, I'll, you know, someone always needs something from me. And so to be able to have a little bit of me time, I'm able to be a little more refreshed when I'm with my children or I'm with my family. So, you know, I was listening to, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan. He's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. And he was commenting on the significance of his runs and how it's comparable to meditation. And the way that he pushes himself, he said it you know, only allows him to focus on that thing right then and not be carried away with all these other thoughts and, and concerns and worries and this kind of thing. And I, I think it's a really interesting comparison because if we're really pushing ourselves, that I can see that that would be true. I mean, I, I find a wonderful release and, and ultimately, in some cases, clarity as you're referencing uh, or as, as we were talking about the, the, from a workout, I mean, I'll go to, in fact, this morning I went to the gym, I jumped on an elliptical machine and that 
that high, little high intensity interval session there. It doesn't ha- even take that long, but it's a great way to kick start the day off. And, and I love how that feels. Uh, and you know, you, you said that you didn't used to like the running and now you find enough benefit from it. It, it was it worth, I guess it, this is really almost rhetorical, but was it worth pushing through that frustration or annoyance or pain uh, that came oh, yeah. from running initially for the benefit on the other side? Well, it was really a, like a mindset shift, honestly, for me, because I, I honestly, when I would run before the whole time, I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. This is terrible. This mm. is awful. I hate it. And so when I kind of, you know, shifted the way that I thought about running, and I'm like, you know, I really need to appreciate this quiet time. I really need to just, you know, meditate, pray, yeah. whatever during this time. And once I had that little bit of a mindset shift, it changed things for me. So it wasn't so much as like it eventually became something that I love. Like it was pretty much you know like there was there was a point one day I loved it and the next day I decided to think about it differently or one day I hated it and the next day I decided to think about it a little bit differently and it changed for me so I think if I had gone in with that mindset yeah. it probably wouldn't you know what I mean I, I probably would have liked it a little bit more from the beginning but I love the the reality that you point out there which is that you know so much of, of life is it's just really in our head right whether or not it we is. enjoy something or ultimately can accomplish something it is in our head. We have the ability to change the mindset, the belief system that will then enable us to be able to make change that can benefit us significantly. And I think that's a really great point. But I want to get back to the processes because this is something that most photographers, when you talk to them, I don't think that would be the first thing that they would begin talking about. It may not even be a strength. Were processes, workflow, technique, was this something that you, was it was a strength for you before? Or did you kind of learn how to implement them? No, not at all. I actually used to be a very unorganized photographer. Okay. <laughs> I when I first started, I had things, you know, I had written model releases that I had in files and then I had my calendar was honestly my only saving grace where everything was on my calendar so I knew that was the thing that kept me organized. Um but you know, I would go and copy and paste emails. And I would, you know, every time somebody would ask me a question, I wouldn't have a template, you know, ready to go with the answer. I would have to sit out and write and it would just be so time consuming. And I did it for so long, instead of just taking the time to set up these automatic responses and the automated workflow, it would, I just, I don't know why. I honestly don't know why it took me so long to do it. And my husband is very much about processes. Like he likes, you know, having things going, he likes processes. He likes things to run smoothly. And so he was always telling me, you need to set this up. You need to set this up. And I just didn't, I don't know why I didn't listen to him. But what happened was I ended up hiring an associate photographer. And whenever I had someone working for me, I was forced to be more organized. And so that's kind of... From then on, I kind of focused on more of the business aspect of things. When I first started photography, I ran my business like a photographer. And the longer that I ran my business, the more of a business mindset I got, I guess. And so I think that's really what helped me change and helped me, you know, put those processes into place is having more of a business focused mindset. But again, it's another great example of if you want to make a change, you can't, right? This wasn't a natural tendency for you, but you made the change and you see the benefit in the other side. Yes. And and the cool thing about, you know, again, I want to make sure there's there's clarity here about organization and structure and art. You the, the cool thing about putting processes and systems in place, it may take a little bit of time up front and maybe you get some help from the outside if it's not a natural strength, but ultimately it can free you up even further to focus on the art, the photography, if that's the thing that you really want to do. It's not about just simply being a business owner in the end, but the reality is that businesses that want to last a long time, that want to scale, uh, if you want to build a business that's not going to run your life, you do have to put some time and effort and energy into developing good systems. One last question about this. You mentioned the significance of separation, having an office to go to, and then being able to come home and leave work. Do you turn off email notifications uh, or do you keep those running on your phone more specifically when you're at home? I recently turned them off. (laughs) That's awesome. Very very recently. I am the kind of person that feels like things need to be done right now. And so I would always feel like I needed to respond or even, you know, I have HoneyBook. And so it's, you know, it's a very easy you can set up where it automatically responds. But if someone asks you a question, I do have templates set up where I can just, you know, kind of press a button and send them a message. Okay. But it's still, you know, time that I'm taking away from my family that I'm having to go, you know, and do that. So recently I turned it off and it is, it's, 
and you know, I'm just waiting. It's, the weekend is the hardest for me, honestly, because I feel like people want me to get back to them on the weekends. Sure. But I'm trying to, you know, if I don't have a wedding on a Saturday, then I get a Saturday off. And then, you know, Sundays, I don't work at all, at all, like period. I do not work on Sundays. Yeah. And so I would get those notifications on Sundays and I would feel like I needed to, you know, respond or, or do something. And so I just thought it was better to take it off so that I didn't even feel the need to respond. I didn't, I won't even know about it until Monday. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, some might argue that, that, you know, that's just ignorance and we're, we're ignoring what's actually going on behind the scenes. But the reality is seeing that badge or seeing that notification, it's easy to go click because it, you're naturally right. curious. And right. I, I think it's great that you're making that effort to, to consciously turn it off for the sake of being present and not constantly being distracted by work, especially when you're home with family. And I think that's a great example for all of our listeners. Let's go to another question, though. And uh, this is certainly a, a favorite of mine. What is one of the most impactful books that you've had the opportunity to read? And this could be on a personal level or a business level. What comes to mind? So I actually do not have a ton of time to read. So I listen to audiobooks. Yeah, that's great. And one of my favorite audiobooks recently is High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. Okay. I love him. He is very intentional with his life, mm. like extremely intentional. And the book is really, really good because he does give you actionable steps to take in your own life to help you be more intentional. And so one of the things that he does in the book is, is he talks about transitions. And so transitioning from, you know, different parts of your day. So transitioning, you know, from the gym to work, he takes a few minutes and just kind of releases, you know, your workout and whatever you did before you're going to work and just kind of starts the day with a fresh mind. And it's just, it's a hard habit to start, but once you do, it kind of changes, like we talked about before, your mindset Mm. and you get into, you know, from workout mode into work, you know, mode and to photographer mode, into mom mode. And it just kind of gives you a little bit of time to transition. And, And I think the reason that that really clicked with me and I don't even know if this is related at all, but so I, I'm primary, I primarily, um, photograph newborns and I actually have ventured into weddings recently, which I love. And we'll, we can talk about that later, but new, I started out specializing in newborns. And so I teach newborn photography workshops and a bit, a thing that people have a hard time with is transitioning poses and, you know, moving from one pose to no and trying to not make it where the baby completely wakes up and you completely move them, like make it a smooth transition. Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like the way that he explains, you know, kind of taking the time and like transitioning throughout your day, making it a smooth transition makes your day go smoother. And so I don't know, I just really liked the way that he broke that down in the book. It's I, I know what you're referencing. I mean that that process of transition, and I mean it. First of all, I have to to comment on this. It feels very like first world to to talk about something like the significance or the the trouble, the problems that come know, from right? a transition in our workday. But the reality is, it can be easy. I guess mentally to not be fully present in whatever the next thing it is that you're that you're getting ready to do or that you're currently doing. Right. And so making that shift it could probably make a big difference in the amount of work you're then able to get done next. And so um, that's kind of an interesting idea. I think uh, what, certainly what we'll do is make sure to link to this book in the show notes. I haven't had the opportunity to, to read this, this particular book before, but we'll link to it in the show notes. And I'm, you know, you talk about this, the significance of being intentional. This is a word that's thrown around quite a bit these days and, and almost to the extent that it's cliche. But right. the interesting thing about the idea of being intentional is that it's many times, I think, is, is most aptly driven by being clear about what it is that you want. And I think yes. a lot of times photographers, whether it's, and, and I'll, I mean, I can raise my hand here, both personally and professionally, I've had lack of clarity and direction was when I wasn't clear with myself about what it is that I, that I wanted. And that can really confuse and distract and kind of keep us from certainly living our best personal life, but ultimately having the business that is most successful. And so being really clear about what we want on a personal level out of life, and then ultimately letting that transition or kind of trickle down to what we're doing in business can enable us to be intentional in the way that we spend on our spend our time day to day. And that can make running a business so much more enjoyable as well, don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's so many little things that go into your business. And if you're just going through the day and you're not actually, you don't have a focus and you don't have, you know, a purpose of where you're going and you can, you know, if you lose that, then it can be hard and everything, you know, can become overwhelming and you can start to lose the love 
of you know photography and the love, the reason that you got into this business in the first place. So I really, really do. It is a really good book. If you ever get a chance to read it, you should. Cool, cool. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And uh, by the way, for those of you listening in, the show notes, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, you can click on the episode. In fact, without even clicking in the episode, you'll see the show notes right underneath the, the episode thumbnail. And this is a resource that Haley puts together for the podcast that you're going to want to take advantage of. The resources that we discussed today, the links, et cetera, will be there in the show notes. So make sure you check them out, Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And uh, next question for you, Janine, you've been in photography for a while. What is one of the most significant lessons that you've learned, uh, or more specifically, what piece of advice uh, from your experience would you be quickest to share with a fellow photographer if you had the opportunity? Honestly, it would be to make friends with your other local photographer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> when I first started, I definitely thought of them as competition. And that is not a good mindset to have. <laughs> we should think of them as coworkers. Because honestly, if you think about it, being an entrepreneur is lonely. You know, being a photographer most of the time, if you don't work with other photographers, is lonely. And they, you know, are the only other people who understand what you're going through. And so to be able to, you know, talk to them and have, you know, you can even help each other out with location scouting and, you know, tips and, you know, the lenses and, and cameras and, you know, just everything that goes into the photography business that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and you can have someone to talk to about it that understands what you're going through. And so I think it's really, really nice to actually make genuine relationships with them. And then you can also, you know, refer to each other because if you have like we, you know, I do newborn photography and I obviously can't do all of the newborns. And so I made friends with other newborn photographers that I am comfortable sending clients to if I can't do their baby. So that's also nice, you know. And what does that connection process look like for you? I mean, do you have local photographer meetups? How do you go about connecting with them? We do. And I actually am friends. Most of the local photographers that I'm friends with actually have children that are my younger children's ages. Okay. And so we do play dates too. Oh, fun. So the kids can get together and play and then we can talk shop. <laughs> so that's really fun. Um, I have a lot, you know, I, I teach newborn photography workshops, like I said before. And so I actually have a Facebook group of, you know, not necessarily local photographers, but of all of the photographers that have ever taken our workshop. And there's probably 140 ladies in there and there's one guy. (laughs) And we, you know, that's a really good community to have. And we're very supportive with each other. And it's really nice if anyone ever has any issues or problems, we can go in there. So that's, you know, a good online community that we have. And then I try, you know, as much as possible, we also have a local Facebook group as well, which I'm trying to meet as many photographers here now, because now that I moved, it's a lot, you know, smaller town and it's a lot tighter knit community of photographers here. So I'm trying to just, you know, meet up with people, but they do, they do do meetups and shootouts and things. So, but there's something significant to actually making the time to connect in person, right? I mean, this is something that um, I'm I'm still kind of amazed by. It seems to be a trend at this point in our industry, maybe uh, that photographers are less apt to make the effort to go connect in person. And I mean, I seem to even see this at WPPI this year, that the attendance is way, way down. And of course, the factors there are, are, well, there are multiple factors involved, I'm sure, in that decrease in attendance. But even when it comes to a local photographer meetup here in the Chattanooga area, the, the kind of lackluster response, actually, in some cases to the idea of driving 15, 20 minutes or whatever, even 30 minutes across town to go meet up for, for brunch, it, it's just... I'm I'm surprised by it. Of course, I realize different people are wired differently. I gain so much benefit from actually being able to sit down face to face with somebody, look them in the eye and have a conversation. And I love the camaraderie and the community that comes from that experience. But I just, there seems to be a bit of an apprehension. It's very convenient now to go to Facebook and just sit there on Facebook or on Instagram and quote, talk to people and not actually make the effort to go connect in person. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm much better in person. (laughs) (laughs) We actually did a wedding expo recently that I loved because I got to be in front of my brides and talk to them in person. I am old and I am terrible at Instagram and I am terrible at conveying my personality online. Mm. And so I like being in person much more than online for sure. Well, you've, you've got a great energy even about your voice. So I can imagine that that translates to that in-person connection. And and, and I, but I know what you mean too. I, I think there is so much 
more benefit that can come from being able to to read the person's expression, hear the energy in their voice, give them a hug, whatever it might be. I, I think that's so enjoyable. And I hope that our, our industry maybe shifts or begins to shift a bit more back to that uh, realizing the significance of that in-person connection despite technology because there's just so much benefit to be gained there. But I appreciate you sharing that advice. Talk to us a little bit about your your photography business. You mentioned being a newborn photographer, uh, beginning to, to dabble in weddings, and, and your website talks about family photography as well. But what is your photography business's brand position? Like, How do you actually set yourself apart from the local photographers there? So I actually, we're actually in the process of rebranding. So I think I told you earlier that we, I hired an associate photographer. So my associate photographer has specialized in weddings. So we're kind of branching out into weddings and I'm splitting my brands. So we will have a wedding brand that's specific to weddings because I feel like brides only want to see brides. They don't want to sift through, you know, my newborns and families to find the picture, wedding pictures. And so we're kind of splitting the brands up. So we have sort of two brand positions, I believe, for my newborn photography. I focus on timeless newborn photography with a luxury boutique experience. There are not a ton of newborn photographers in this town that specialize in newborn posing like I do. I also teach newborn photography workshops, which I kind of think gives me a little bit of a a perceived value. Like I kind of know what I'm doing. (laughs) And so that sets me apart a little bit. But I also do not focus on, it's all about the baby for me. I'm not a huge prop photographer at all. I like angles. I do, you know, I do do posing and then I do several different angles of the same pose, the baby. And I like the close up and the details. I really, really like the details of the eyelashes and the lips and the nose and the little profile of the baby. That is probably my favorite shot of all time of the profile <laughs> of the baby. So it's just sweet. It's the it's what you see when you're holding them is their little profile. So I like those pictures a lot. But I think that is kind of what sets me apart. And then we have a farmhouse that has converted into a commercial property that is our studio that is adorable. Wow. And it is, you know, a location that they can come to and it's it, it's very much a, a reflection of our brand. Yeah. Our wedding brand is a little more rustic we have it's basically a luxury country wedding brand is kind of what we do so the studio also reflects that as well our wedding brand is a a mix between classical and photojournalistic and we specialize in like luxury country weddings and so we also target young professionals that are very detail oriented our brides are a lot of times really type A and they know what they want and they spend a lot of time, they spend a lot of time planning their wedding. And so their details are really important. And we are very, like I said, very detail oriented. And I really, really like capturing all of those details because they spend so much time planning. And the only thing that you have left after a wedding is the photos. And so being able to capture all of those and bring the day together and show the whole story the whole day, you know, in an album, it makes you know, every time they look at that album, they're going to remember all the time that they, and effort that they put into planning that wedding. So I really do like the detail oriented brides that spend a lot of time picking out their flowers and, you know, doing the little different table settings and stuff like that. So we kind of have two different brand positions. Um, A lot of times our brides will come back to us for newborns, but I didn't really want to set that as my brand position because I feel like brides are really in wedding planning mode and they're not thinking about babies. Mm. So even though we do specialize in both areas and it, would be a bonus. I don't think that's really a deciding factor in brides. So I kind of wanted to just split it and have two different target markets, basically. (laughs) I think that's smart. I I love the awareness of how your brides likely think. And ultimately, the decision to have two separate brands, I think, is really intelligent as well. I mean, it it at least makes it easier to market online, right? You send somebody to a potential client to your site. And like you said, if they have to sift through photography that isn't relevant, that may affect the the possibility of them actually booking you as a photographer. But I want to go back to, and you actually highlighted this idea for both brands, the significance of a luxury experience. And uh, more specifically in relation to your baby photography, the newborn photography, because I mean, as you're in this process of of rebranding, I can imagine some, I guess, reference to that significant or the significance of a luxurious experience there, like on your homepage, because that I, I don't think there aren't a lot of photographers that specifically reference that particular word, at least not as I've been asking this question to guests on our show, and particularly with reference to baby photography or newborn photography. And I think 
that idea that luxurious is just a very rich word, right? And, and if your <laughs> yes. site and everything in your studio reflected that, um, the, how you would make your clients feel through that process could be really, really incredible. And I like that you've, you've landed on that idea. How do you, how do you market that idea to a potential client currently? So I feel like newborn photography as a whole is a luxury and not a necessity anyway. Sure. And so not everyone, it's not going to be something that everyone does and everyone looks into. And so we really tried to network and market with other local companies or vendors that have the same target market as us. And so we Smart. have, you know, like a higher end breastfeeding boutique, for example, that, you know, we've built relationships with and we can give them pictures for their walls and, you know, little five by seven cards, you know, that with our website and stuff on it that they can hand out or put in bags. And so we've really tried to align ourselves in our wedding brand and our newborn brand with other local vendors and company and businesses that have the same target market as us, because then, you know, whenever we're aligned with them, then they can see us, you know, in the same, same aspect, like the, it's, it's going to target the exact same you know, market and the yes. same type of moms. So yeah, that's smart. That's really, really great. Well, the, the connections, the relationships, and I have talked multiple times over in the podcast before about the significance of a relationship with a wedding coordinator. If you're a wedding photographer, oh, yeah. that is just, that made all the difference in the world and in, in my photography business back in the day. But uh, there are opportunities, as you pointed out, to have relationships with other vendors, businesses in the area that are targeting the same target market that you are and the opportunity to be able to work together with them and have, as you were alluding to earlier, specifically with photographers, genuine relationships. You know, I think right. there's a tendency, especially if you go to at least my experiences with like SBA type meetings that I've been to in the past where it just feels very cold and not, not honestly, not even that calculated, but cold oh, and yeah. kind of impersonal and everybody's just handing out business cards and you don't really feel like these people are there to to open up and to drop the, the wall a little bit and actually connect you with you personally. I think a genuine effort as photographers to connect, to truly connect on a personal level with these various vendors, those in our market who we could potentially work with is a not only a great thing for our business, but ultimately much more fulfilling personally. Oh, yeah. And I think nurturing those relationships. I, I see so many photographers that, you know, they bring their pictures to an OBGYN office and then that's it. They never check back. They never talk to them. They never mm. do anything with it. And point. so they're not going to get any business out of it, one, yeah. you know, and then they're not really helping their business either. I really want to help the local business as well. I'm all about small business and helping each other. And so I really try to refer, you know, my clients. So I actually, there's a little small local boutique in town that is pretty luxury. And I, you know, the manager is awesome. And I try to check in with her and she gives me cards and I give her cards and I send clients there that need pictures for, you know, birthday. They want these little fancy diaper covers and stuff. And so I send them there instead of ordering it online. I want them to shop local and go to this boutique and shop there and buy stuff. And then that way on, you know, Instagram or Facebook when they do, and I take the photos, I can tag them and kind of help their business online as well. Yeah, there's opportunity not only for the relationship, but also to help those other businesses. Yeah. And, and that, that again, that genuine effort to add value to that relationship plays such a significant role in that relationship. And I think that's really important to note. I appreciate you highlighting that. Let's kind of nerd out for a second, geek out a little okay. bit about, <laughs> about gear. Um, what oh, is one of the most unusual pieces of camera gear in your bag? Or it could be an accessory or some random thing that you have made an important part of your photographic workflow. What comes to mind? <laughs> Okay, so I tried to think about this whenever you asked this question, and I don't, I have pretty normal gear. I <laughs> I couldn't think of anything that was like not, you know, unusual in my bag. Sure. And this is not really gear. So I do carry around pre-sterilized pacifiers for my babies. So oh, that that's is something smart. weird that I have in my bag, but it's not necessarily a piece of gear. Oh, no, you know, I think I need to reword <laughs> the question because it could really literally be anything that helps you be a photographer. And in this case, it's absolutely relevant and it makes sense. It doesn't even sound weird. I think that's great. That's so funny. Yeah, because I, I mean, I travel to teach workshops too. And so a lot of times, that's why I carry my bag instead of just having them at the studio. Because when I, I have models for the workshops, yeah. and sometimes they won't think to bring a pacifier or the baby's never tried one. So I ask if we can use one because sure. their hands are by their face sometimes in the poses and I don't want them to try to eat their fingers. And so we have these little pre-sterilized ones in the bag that I can use. <laughs> that's great. That's really, really great. And, and really a great idea too for our, our newborn photographers listening in. Take advantage of this, this great suggestion. <laughs> 
Talk to us again about your photography business. You mentioned being a photographer for nine years now. Is that right? Yes, roughly nine years. Okay. Yeah. So did you start shooting at the same time that you started your business or did that come after? What is, I did what's not, the backstory? Actually, um, I actually went into this not wanting to be a photographer at all. I actually, I, I mentioned earlier, Alyssa, the the one that took the photo on my website, she and I decided to take a camera, a class, a photography course at our local community college because we had both just had babies and my, we went to JCPenney (laughs) and got portraits done and they were terrible. It was so (laughs) awful. We were so disappointed. We actually ended up going back in and getting a reshoot and they were still really bad. Oh, wow. And so she's like, we can probably do this ourselves. And so she wanted to take this class so we could take pictures of our kids. And I did the class with her. Well, she actually is going to listen to this later. I don't want to throw her under the bus, but she actually missed some classes. And I had to take extra notes so that I could catch her up to the classes. <laughs> so I got super interested in it and totally you know, geeked out on it. And I actually, at the time, I was um, taking classes to be an elementary school teacher. I wanted, I went to school for elementary education and I was taking classes online. And so I got a student version of Photoshop because back in the day you had to buy Photoshop. You couldn't just, you know, pay the $10 a month. Right. And it was really expensive. So I got a student version. So I like became completely obsessed with Photoshop and would stay up until three o'clock in the morning trying to make my pictures look good. And no matter what I did, I couldn't make them look the way that I wanted them to look because I didn't really know what I was doing, you know? And so I just kind of really, really became completely immersed in just making my pictures better. And I finally found a photographer in Oklahoma that did newborn photography. And it was, you know, right when the trend was kind of starting and I kind of fell in love with it. And I'm like, if I could do something like that, maybe I would be a photographer. And so at the time, a lot of my husband's friends were having babies because we lived in Kansas City and I didn't really have a ton of friends around there, but he knew a bunch of people from high school that were having kids. And so I asked them if I could practice on their babies. <laughs> and so I did as much research as humanly possible online and there was not a lot at the time. And so the first baby that I did, the session took way too long <laughs> and it, the baby cry, it was terrible. Yeah. That doesn't work very well with a newborn, does it? <laughs> oh no. I was like, I can either quit or I can just you know work harder and do better. So I practiced and practiced. And then I ended up doing a workshop with the photographer in Oklahoma doing kind of what I teach now. And it was a one-on-one workshop and it just kind of helped me get my workflow down that made things go a lot smoother. And so after that is when I actually started the business. So the business started then at how many years has it been total? So pro- the business actually has been eight years. Eight years. Okay. That's, I mean, yeah. that's, and kudos to you for being able to, to create a business that would stay around for that long. But oh, yeah, of thanks. course, there's a significant element to that story, which is that you then moved from Kansas City to Gainesville, yes. correct? Yes. Gainesville, Florida. So how long ago did that happen? <laughs> so about a year ago. So in that process, and this is very recent, what were yes. some of the biggest challenges that you faced moving away from an established client base, a larger market to a relatively small town. Oh, I mean, this is an entirely different market here. It is a college town. And so I had to learn, you know, what works and what doesn't work here. And I, in Kansas City, I really, to keep up my business for the longest time, like I said, I was kind of lazy when I first started running my business in Kansas City, but I really only had to do, you know, some SEO on my website and I got to number one on Google for Kansas City Newborn Photographer. Wow. And so I was getting, you know, daily inquiries just from that. And so when I first decided to move, we started doing some SEO before I even moved. And I, you know, got on the first page of Google, but I still wasn't getting the inquiries like I was getting in Kansas City because it's a smaller town. And I found since moving here that really the only people that look on Google are people that are moving to Gainesville, which doesn't happen a whole lot, you know. <laughs> and so I <laughs> have learned that it is about building relationships and like we said earlier, nurturing those relationships. And, you know, in Kansas City, I was just able to get by because there were so many people. And, you know, once I built my client base and once I got the clients in the target, you know, market that I wanted, then word of mouth would, you know, kick in. And then I got clients without really even trying. But here it's been a lot more footwork, a lot more, you know, getting to know all the local vendors. I joined a bunch of networking groups, you know, even, even if it's not people that would necessarily be, 
you know, in my target market, everybody knows somebody who's pregnant because it's a smaller town and everybody kind of knows everyone here. So it has really been about getting in the town and just getting my name out there, you know, in person, basically. Well, and by the way, your, your SEO is still working because you're, I just did a quick search and you're at the very, you're on the front page there. If you search newborn photographer Gainesville. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, props to you again. And, and I, that's a loaded topic in and of itself. SEO. Um, is that, is that something that you've continued to work at to develop? Yes, I have. You, you said that with a very short answer. So I'm sure there's a lot more that we could explore there. Maybe that's something you talk about in your, in your workshops, but I I do want to get a little bit more practical and tangible for those listening in, especially those who are either getting ready to move to a new market, maybe have just recently moved and they're trying to figure out how to hit the reset button, right? How to restart that business, reestablish themselves and not only a new market, but potentially a smaller market as well. Will you share some of the most important elements of kind of hitting the reset button and getting started in a new market? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think SEO helped me getting, you know, my name established in the town and, you know, at least getting on on Google because before I, when I actually first moved here, a lot of the photographers already knew who I was because I was coming up on Google because they're keeping track of, you know, where they are. Okay. And so I actually, you know, so not only did it help me with, you know, people that were searching, but it also helped me like, you know, get to know a little bit. People were reaching out to me before I even moved here, you know, asking me if I where you know, where I moved from and if I was here and stuff. And so I actually, by them reaching out to me, I had gotten added to a local, the local Facebook group. And so I got to know some of the local photographers before I moved. And then I've had them help me find some locations that I didn't know about because that, you know, when you first move into an, a new location and not having any spots to take pictures outside for family photos or anything is kind of hard. And location scouting is, you know, it's time consuming. And so at least having like one spot to go to was really nice. And everybody has been very welcoming and very amazing. And I, I, I'm very happy that I moved to this market because I've heard that other towns are not as close knit as this one. Yeah. So that's been nice. But I also had, you know, joined some mom groups and I also joined, as soon as I got here, kind of joined some of the networking groups. There's a Gainesville area women's network that has been tremendous and amazing. I actually met some wedding planners through that. So yeah, so just trying to like get in and meet people before you even move into the market has been really, really helpful for me. And did you begin that process before uh, you moved to Gainesville? I mean, were you becoming part of those Facebook groups and and the networking groups even before you moved? I did. The networking groups I didn't do until I had gotten here, but the online communities I tried to get into first, like the moms groups and the, you know, and and the photography group I got added to before I moved here too, I believe. So yeah, I tried to do as much as online as possible before I moved there um, or before I moved here, just so that I would have a little bit of a presence and, you know, when I coming in and then, you know, I've used some Facebook ads and, and marketing to reach some local, local people. And I've done some sessions a little bit differently than I normally would have done them. I did some sessions cause you know, pricing in a new market is hard. <laughs> it is completely different here than it was in Kansas city. I'm and sure. so trying to find, you know, that right pricing for the client, the target market that you want has been difficult. And so I've tried a couple different things. I've done a couple different test ads and different, you know, mini sessions and different things to try to kind of see what works and what doesn't work. But yeah, I mean, I do think when I first moved here, I did, I was a little more active on my social media than I have been lately. I'm working on getting more active again. I've just been really busy and and we've had a lot of stuff going on with our weddings lately. And so I haven't had a ton of time to focus on that. But when I first moved here, I was trying to consistently look busy. And so I was posting, you know, almost daily Mm. so that I was showing up in people's newsfeed and I was boosting, you know, posts and ads to local people just so they would even like my page. So then when later, you know, I could kind of build that trust with them so that later they would come back to me, you know, for sessions and stuff. And I actually did surprisingly well, I did some Christmas tree farm sessions and that is something that we did in Kansas city every year. And it was really fun. It's one of my favorite, you know, mini sessions that we do. And in Florida, there's not a whole lot of Christmas tree farms, but I found one. And so not (laughs) a lot of photographers did the Christmas tree farm sessions. And so my Christmas tree farm sessions filled up for three days. Like I had three days full of Christmas tree farm sessions. And so those clients have come back to me since then too. So in just in a year, I mean, I feel like I've, I've built up a, pr- a pretty good, decent client base already. So, well, there are a lot of different 
points here, and I'm going to jump back a little bit to to a few of them. I mean, the significance, first of all, of, of getting involved in online communities, as much as we were talking about how important it is to connect with photographers, to connect with people in person, there's obvious benefit from those online communities. So taking advantage of that as soon as possible, especially if you know you're about to move, is, is a really great move. Um, Facebook ads, I'm, I'm curious if you would comment just briefly on what that process looked like for you, because you know, I mean, this is a loaded topic that we could spend oh, yes. hours and hours and hours on. But <laughs> if you could just sum up how you how you went about creating those ads and the kind of results that you saw for them. I mean, I've, I've done a couple different, you know, test ads. I've done some just because our, actually, my studio is actually in a smaller town than even Gainesville. It's outside of Gainesville. And so I tried to do just, you know, a, a generic ad just for a small radius around this town okay. for women, you know, of a certain age group uh, that just have children. So I did kind of target that just, and honestly, it was just to get people to like my page. It wasn't even really to get them to book anything because you have to build that relationship with people before you can't just ask them to buy from you and ask them to book with you. Right. You want them to get to know you, you know? And so I kind of did that at first. And then honestly, I do think it's helped me that I've done some model calls. So I've actually taught some workshops here locally and I've had to do some model calls. And so for newborns. And so when I've done those model calls, I've boosted just kind of to everyone and I've had people tag me and then they like my page. And so my name has gotten out there and spread, you know, spread around just by doing those model calls. And I've actually gotten clients from those model calls too. So yeah, so I've done that. And then there's also the, like the geo targeting <laughs> that I've tried a little bit yeah. um, where you can kind of target just a specific area around, you know, like if they're, if you're example, you're targeting, you know, wedding photographers and there's a wedding expo, or if you're a wedding photographer and you're targeting brides and there's a wedding expo going on that day and you kind of target around where that wedding expo is yes. and you know, there's brides in that area and they're going to see your ad. So I've kind of played around with a lot of different, things to see what works. And, um, you know, I've gotten different results from everything, but in the end, I've gotten a lot more local fans, which has helped me be able to book sessions and, and people, you know, tagging their friends whenever I have some stuff going on and stuff. So you mentioned boosted posts a couple of times. Did you, these boosted posts, are they both on Instagram and Facebook or just Instagram? So I, my newborns actually are just on Facebook. My client, my newborn clients are not really on Instagram. My wedding clients are on Instagram, but my newborn clients are not. Interesting. <laughs> my, okay. my newborn clients are older moms most of the time. And so they, you know, they're just, they, they like Facebook. They're not huge Instagram users. And my brides are a lot younger, so they use Instagram. So I've kind of, I know where my client is and I know which one, you know, which platform to use for what. And so I try to boost those newborn ads on you know, on Facebook and then the Instagram one is just for weddings. Now, something that I've heard at least more recently is that boosted posts aren't effective. You seem to have had positive results there. What you said ultimately it drove people to your page and you got some likes or what was the right. actual benefit that you got from that? And do you still do boosted posts or have you gone a different direction? So I do ads as well. And I, Honestly, the boosted posts were just to drive, you know, to get likes and to get, you know, on my page. Okay. I don't, I haven't had a ton of success with people actually booking from the boosted posts. Those were really just to get people to like my page. Okay. With my ads, I've gotten, when I target them and to message me, that's when I get the most activity whenever I target my ads where I get messaged, you know, where you can open up the messenger right away and send a message. But yeah, I, I've heard the same thing about boosted posts, but like I said, I feel like the boosted posts work better for your fans on your that are already on your page. But if you're trying to target outside of your fans that you already have, then sometimes that you know the ads will work better. But I have gotten, you know, new likes and from the boosted posts as well. So I've kind of tried to do a mix of the both, to be honest. Which is, it sounds like a great way to go about it. A little bit of, little bit of uh, balance. I, hate, I hesitate to use the word balance because it's all very subjective, but trying a little bit of both and ultimately seeing what works best. But I, I like that you make the distinction between the boosted posts and the ads, because the reality is we have so much more control with ads on Facebook oh, yeah. than we do with the boosted posts. And, and it's good to, to actually experiment with the, the power that is that Facebook ad platform, because you can get so, so specific. Oh, right. And that's a, the, the boosted posts are more just, you know, a location. It's not as defined of an audience at all. Like I'm not targeting, you know, to specifically book with me, I'm trying to just kind of get my name out there and more brand yeah. awareness with the boosted post. So 
that's they're definitely more generic. <laughs> that makes definitely- sense. That makes sense. You mentioned something really interesting, which was testing your pricing through mini sessions. Can you yes. expand on that just a little bit? Because this is an interesting concept. I mean, you mentioned pricing, particularly when moving to a different market or more specifically a smaller market. And pricing is it at least feels at times like it's a complicated topic. But this idea of testing pricing is an interesting way to go about it. What did that look like? Well, I've actually tried to do, so, you know, everyone wants to do digitals nowadays, but I've tried to do a little bit more of a hybrid where they kind of, you know, pick the amount of digitals that they want versus just including digitals. And that's kind of helped me see like what price range that they end up being in so that I know how to price them if I was going to do like an all-inclusive mini session. So that's kind of how I, I did it for the first year that we moved in here. And then I've done, you know, a couple different mini sessions at different price sets and then seen like which ones were more popular and which ones were. And then my newborns, you know, I've talked to other local photographers about their pricing and I kind of tried to, I wanted to stay, you know, competitive, but I don't, I also, I don't want to undercut people, but I also, you know, want that luxury experience. And so I want to stay in that luxury price range as well. And so I, it's been, it's a, been a lot of kind of trial and error. So I have upped my prices and lower prices a little bit since I've been here, but I've found, you know, a good range and a good target market and good client base so far with the pricing that I, you know, that I ended up landing on now, but it definitely took a little bit of, you know, kind of moving some packages around and stuff to try to get it set to where, it worked for the clients and, the, and everyone, you know, they were happy with what I was offering. And, and, and it really doesn't hurt to test. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some apprehension, especially with photographers are like, I just need to book any and everything that I right. possibly can. Um, and I, I understand that, but ultimately experimenting a little bit with that price point, with what you're offering with or at that price point, you know, experimenting with the value that you're including at that particular price point or in the packages, you, you reference packages. It, it, I think that's a, a really interesting way to go about it. Of course, it does take an awareness of the market. And you also referenced the uh, being aware of the, the price point that other photographers are charging. And especially if you're trying to establish a higher end brand, right. then you need to price yourself accordingly. And that may mean right. not being able to get as much business, but then you're, you're getting more for that for less business, if you will. And, right. well, and, and you can spend more time with those clients too. Absolutely. You know, you can give them a better experience when you're, you know, taking on less clients. So, so what would you say, I mean, of all these things that you've listed uh, was the most impactful in enabling you to transition to this new market and begin to bring business in? So I definitely think, you know, making friends with the local photographers, like we've said several times, I have gotten tons of referrals from just local photographers that don't do newborns or, you know, don't do families or don't do weddings that have just, I've made friends with them. You know, I've sent them, you know, things that I don't do. And so they'll send me clients that they, when they get inquiries and they don't do them, they'll send them to me. So that I've gotten actually a lot of clients from them joining the networking groups as well. I have been really really great for me. And the net, some of the networking groups, that I've, I've actually joined the local chamber of commerce. And so there's not a lot of businesses that align with my business, but I've gotten to know a lot of business owners and it's kind of helped me with my mindset, like we talked about earlier and kind of shifting towards that business mindset. And so even though their business is different than mine, like helping me structure, you know, like my brand, my brand awareness and things like that, they, they've kind of helped me with that. So just making friends, even if it's not in your industry, but other business owner friends can kind of help you and take a look at your business from the outside and tell you, you know, kind of help you. And if you need to change things, tell you what you need to change. So that's been helpful. And then lastly, you know, just meeting, like we said, meeting local businesses and the local vendors that do have the same target market as you and nurturing those relationships and making sure that you're not only, you know, you're not only just dropping off business cards or dropping off pictures, but you're actually taking the time to make friends with those people and, you know, to really help their business and, you know, grow their business to grow your businesses together. So, well, and I think it's important to point out here too, that, I mean, the reality is those nurturing, not only beginning those relationships, but nurturing those relationships takes time. And I think a lot of photographers, 
they're probably less apt to make this effort because they just feel generally overwhelmed with everything that they feel like they have to keep up with. And this is where, you know, we spend so much time talking about efficient workflow. And as we did at the beginning of, of our episode, the significance of systems and putting those systems in place. So it gives us freedom and certainly freedom for the sake of being able to focus on the important relationships, personal relationships in our life. But ultimately it also frees us up to focus on those potential professional relationships that certainly can have some personal benefit, but ultimately can help build our business. And in order to have the space to do that, we need to put the systems in place. So when we talk about the significance of post-production or we talk about the significance of, of outsourcing your, your accounting work or helping, getting help with your admin work, email communication and so forth, all of these things that take up time that are ultimately busy work that don't directly affect our bottom line, if we can delegate those things or at least simplify them and automate them, then we can actually have the time to develop the relationships that will drive growth in our business. And I think it's really, really important to note that at the end of the day, that is where so much of the benefit lies. You know, some photographers listening in, they may say, well, I I get the time that I want to with my significant other or others, you know, my family, my kids. So why do I need to outsource my editing or why do I need to outsource or delegate my album design or or give up my accounting? What's the significance of that? At the end of the day, you can get rid of that busy work for the sake of focusing on professional relationships that will drive your business. And that is Absolutely. a significant element of, of that conversation, too. And so I just want to make sure that, that we highlight that. I mean, you highlighted the, the idea at the beginning as well, Janine, that you have the time. Like, you don't have to be in your business 24-7. That right. gives you the freedom for these relationships. Yeah. I mean, I schedule actually once a week to make sure I make some sort of vendor connection every week. So I actually, last week I went to a venue and took some pictures just of their venue at Sunset that they wanted. They didn't have any really good pictures of just the venue for the website because, so I did that for them. And, you know, I'm just, I try to make sure that I, at least once a week, I'm doing something to nurture one of those relationships that I've built. That's so great. That's so great. Well, I think that's a great way to, to finish our conversation. I mean, and it's funny at the end of the day, and I've commented on this before, but we're in 2019. We have all this crazy technology, and that's going to continue to, to, to develop and, and, and really probably change our photography industry. But at, it's relationships. It's funny how yeah. relationships is really what it comes back <laughs> to. And if we create an efficient business, it will have the time to focus on those relationships, both professionally and personally. And um, I, I love that that's been a theme in this conversation. Will you just share with our listeners one more time where they can find you online on social media? And, and you mentioned the workshops as well, maybe where they can find yeah. information about the workshops. Yeah, it's Janine Gray Photography at Magnolia Lane Studio on Facebook. That's our wedding photography studio name. And then just Janine Gray Photography on Instagram at the moment. And then Blissful Baby Workshops is our workshop page, our website, and all uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Okay. And we'll link to all of these actually in the show notes. So for those of you who are curious and want to follow what Janine is doing, you can go check that out. The show notes, again, are going to be at Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. And Janine, thank you so much again for making time to share with all our listeners today. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.